0: So we are finishing up today on our our short series that uh, we uh, started some weeks ago on The Blessed Life. Psalm 1 has been our template for that. And if you want to turn there, uh, I'm going to once again try to recite it in front of people. Now I can do this flawlessly time after time by myself in my office. I practice it, and it's just not even a strain. But when I stand in front of people, sometimes I stumble a little bit. So uh, bear with me, uh, and because I want to I recite this from memory. You can follow along in your Bible, or I think they're going to project it on the screen. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish." Great verse of Scripture, great passage of Scripture, and uh, maybe I thought, you know, just a little quick review on what we've covered so far. You know, right there in Psalm 1-1, very important for us. Uh, I kind of characterize verse 1 of Psalm 1. You know, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. You, you notice the decline there from walking to standing to sitting. And, uh, you know, it's the way bad information just stops us. I characterize this as avoid bad information. How do you make bad decisions with your life? You make it based on bad information, right? (laughs) I mean, this is the age of what, misinformation? Is that what we're told? Disinformation, misinformation? Um, But uh, we make bad decisions when we have bad information, And so we avoid the sources of bad information. And uh, those are enumerated there in in Psalm 1. So we follow God's law. When we follow God's law, we, we garner his favor. He gives us good information. So you go to verse 2. Uh, where it talks about, you know, this blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So avoid bad information, but get yourself good information. Where does that come from? It comes from the Word of God. When our, our mind and our understanding and our being is full of Scripture, full of the Word of God, we make good decisions for life. You know, because God is the God of life. And that's what he wants us to experience is life and that we might have life more, what? You know the word, abundantly, right? And so that's the information that he's giving us that it would lead us to experience abundant life. And so he blesses those who put their trust in him for direction. I want to remind us, you know, when we talk about living the blessed life as well, is that I'm not talking about the easy life, you know, when we think, you know, oh, I'm blessed, you know, I'm just blessed, I'm just blessed, and we're grateful for for good days, and I hope you're having a a lot of good days, all right? But you know, know anybody can be blessed during good days, right? Um, That's easy, but the difficult part is when times are tough, And in spite of difficult times, and it's difficult for the righteous and the unrighteous, Jesus talked about that, it rains on the just and the unjust, we both get rained on, Um, but there's a difference. We understand that God has has equipped us, he he is beside us, he is is helping us in every way, even during difficult times, and we experience especially the blessed life uh, during difficult days, and uh, you know, not to say they aren't hard. I'm not talking about here a, a carefree life. I'm not talking about, you know, you're never going to have another problem. That's not what the blessed life is about. The blessed life is about thriving during even difficult times. And, uh, and that's where the difference is made. Because we know that all of the easy days, uh, it's easy to, to exist and to appreciate what we have. But during difficult times is when we really learn to trust in God. And, and, you know, a lot of the choices that we have to make are hard choices. And, uh, you know, we like easy choices. We like, you know, for things to not cause controversy or, you know, we want to make choices that always include us, you know, and, and uh, all, all the groups of people that are important to us. But we sometimes have to make hard choices to follow after God, to put Him first and to obey even these hard things, you know, it results in his blessing and our lives can be easy in the sense of, of what, they, what is not there. Now, a lot of times we think about the blessed life because of what we have or what we are experiencing and, you know, what's in front of us, what we can touch uh, and feel and all of that uh, with our senses. you know, right there in front of us. But, you know, sometimes we have to appreciate what isn't in our life, okay? And the blessed life would include a lack of drama in our lives. You know what I'm talking about, drama? (laughs) You know, drama can happen, you know, in all kinds of instances, you know, addiction, unforgiveness, oh my goodness, offense and unforgiveness causes so much drama in our lives you know dysfunction divorce all of these things cause drama in our lives you know it's hard to notice what isn't there you, you know what I'm talking about one time I, I was at another church in fact it was in Anchorage and we had we had a policy of uh, keeping the doors unlocked during the day during business hours <laughs> and we were walking in, in the uh, foyer of the church and uh, I remember I was with another staff member and we stopped and they said, wasn't there a picture on this wall? And uh, I looked there and sure enough, there's just a blank wall and it's hard to notice what isn't there. Isn't that true? And uh, we both sat there and thought, yeah, in fact, it was and I forget what it was. It was a limited edition print that somebody had loaned the church to hang and uh, what we discovered is that there were several missing pictures (laughs) The people could come off the street taking what they wanted and walked out and we were never the wiser but it's hard to notice what isn't there you know and we can kind of take it for granted if there's a lack of drama in our lives uh, that that's what isn't there in our lives you know to live a life you know where you come home and the house is full of peace House is full of the presence of God. You know, there's harmony and uh, love in the house. It is uh, hard to appreciate the fact that drama isn't part of that. And the blessed life helps provide that for us uh, when we follow after the Word of God. You know, we negotiate good times. We also negotiate difficult times. Job uh, I'm, I'm gaining a greater appreciation for the book of Job. I used to kind of think, boy, you know, Job is 40 chapters and it's really long, you know, and reading through Job and, and uh, yet I have, I have started to gain a greater appreciation of Job and I look forward to reading uh, the 40 chapters of the book of Job. But in Job chapter 2, verse 10, he says this, he says, Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity talking to his friends who had come to counsel him and how he had strayed and, and uh, all of the difficult things in his life and he's saying no 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 no! don't you understand is that God of course gives us good but we also endure difficult things we also endure adversity uh, as well and God helps us even in times like that Do, you know uh, what is it uh, Romans um, 8 12, we, we quote it all the time, where it says, You know, and we know this that all things work together for good for the called. And, and you and I are called of God. We are called to live that blessed life. And even the difficult things in our lives, even adversity, God works together in our lives to produce something good. And that's part of what the blessed life is is all about. So we're not preaching the fact that, you know, just, you know, when you become a Christian, that your troubles are over and difficulty will never find you again. That's not the case. I I would like that to be the case, but it is not the case. Even in difficult times, we can thrive. So we also covered this, is that uh, the idea that God is not out to crush us. He's not here to take away all our fun in life and to penalize us for our errors. He's not watching you just to step out of line so that he can punish you, he can express his anger at you. That's, that's not what God is all about. God's position towards us is to bless us and to enhance and improve our lives, to reward our obedience toward him. And, and it is his will, we talked about this, for our lives to flourish and that we, you know, that we prosper in life. If you look at Psalm one, verse three, uh, where it says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Planted by the rivers of water brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, which implies that there are, is adversity. There is drought. There's times where you know, our leaves could wither, right? And, uh, and whatever he does will prosper. And uh, I know not all the time does it feel like we prosper, But uh, that is God's will for us to flourish and uh, one who uh, lives carefully and fully following after God. That is a promise for us. And um, this final thought here is that you are God's favorite, okay? Have you ever been anybody's favorite before? (laughs) Have you ever heard somebody say, you know what, you are my favorite. That's the way God thinks about you. I don't know if you're comfortable with that idea or not. Um, I've, I've given this a lot of thought, and uh, what does it take to become someone's favorite? Well, I found this. I, as pastoring and uh, for, you know, 40 some years, um, I found this: is that there are children in our church, and I love them all. I love them all, and in some ways, they're all my favorite. But you know, when you have a favorite, it's it's not just some sort of um, uh, fickle sort of selection like oh that child over there I don't even know their name but they're my favorite we don't tend to choose favorites like that what what turns someone from just being somebody that we enjoy and we love and and all that to becoming our our favorite well um, it's often because they show interest back to us all right so if we have a little child, and all of a sudden, you know, they decide that, you know, they are, want to show interest back to me, it's easy to develop an affection and think of them as a favorite. This is one of my favorite kids uh, right here. Uh, why? Because not only do I love them, but they seem to have some affection back to me. And if you want to be God's favorite, if you want God to say, you know what, you are one of my favorites. Um, what, what does that take? Is it we interact with him as, a, as we're living this blessed life As we're following after him As we're meditating in his law day and night And, and uh, engrafting that into our lives You know what? It just allows God's affection to be on us And that, you know, you say You know what? You are, you are one of my favorites So the limiting factor is not God God's love is unlimited And he loves Everybody just the same. He sent Jesus to die for our sins uh, because he loves every one of us. But you want to be a favorite. You want to be a favorite. Love him the way he loves you. <laughs> and you will find that you have God's favor on your life. All right? There's a lot to chew on there, but uh, you'll, you'll get it. He'll get it sooner or later. Um, that uh, God's favor rests upon those who love him. All right. well let's uh let's dig in a little bit here into a new area here and uh, i want to focus in on, on verse three and talk about this this idea that uh, the righteous live with purpose okay uh, psalm 1:3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water now Um, notice the tree is planted okay Um, you know here in Alaska we have a lot of trees we don't really often very often plant trees ourselves why because they're just abundant and they're everywhere and they just volunteer uh, to grow wherever they grow Um, but what this tells us here that the tree was put in its place with purpose it was it was planted by the rivers of water. It was purposely set into a place where it would flourish. Now that's the way God uh, plants our lives. He plants our lives with with purpose. You are here for a reason. You are here with intentionality. You are here uh, with a purpose. It's no accident and the one who planted it knew what was good for the tree. Now I have a couple of birch trees that are in my backyard and uh, one in particular is, is a gorgeous birch tree. Uh, birch trees, I don't know, I just have a fondness for them. One is just, it's tall it's full and I can't wait in the spring to see, you know, the buds start to pop and, and it turn green and, and right now it's in the height of its glory. It's beautiful beautiful tree. The only thing I don't like is in the fall when all the leaves fall. I mean there are feet <laughs> of leaves to rake but beautiful tree and there's another one not far from it and uh, it's a beautiful birch tree as well the only problem is they're in the wrong place you ever have a tree that's beautiful but it's in the wrong place yeah that's both of those trees now they're they're in a place where we want to develop a garden and uh, they shade too much of the sun you know that we want to get on the garden and uh, you know because the garden wants the sun and and it uh, helps it grow and all of that and these trees are so beautiful that I don't want to take them out, but they are in the wrong place. Now, don't you wish you could just, like, you know, pick the tree up and just move it to the right place? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be handy, right? You know, God has put you in the right place. <laughs> he has planted you by the streams of water so that you will thrive, so that you will never have to be removed. These trees weren't so beautiful, um, they would have come down already and at some point I may have to still cut them down I will cry tears when I have to do that, but they are in the wrong place They're in the wrong place. They will be cut down. They will be removed. They're beautiful They're gorgeous But they're in the wrong place and they will be cut down because they are in the wrong place now look at this This is an important picture of contrast for us here the blessed person, and, and the ungodly. Now, the ungodly may look like they are flourishing. You l- look at my birch trees, these two birch trees that I have, and you would look at them and say, man, those are flourishing, whatever. They're, you know, they're in a place where they you know, can get the majority of the sun, and, and uh, they're well-watered, apparently, because, you know, man, they, they are beautiful. You know, that's sometimes the way the ungodly looks to us. Doesn't it seem like those who are, who don't love God and who, who aren't concerned about pleasing Him, doesn't it look like they just thrive all the time? <laughs> doesn't it look like, you know, they're just in all of their glory? And, and sometimes it's hard to not feel a little bit envious, like, you know, maybe if I cut a few corners, maybe if I didn't, you know, so carefully follow after God, that I too could look like I'm thriving, or, you know, I too could— Could be like them you know and we look at this but but here's the problem here's the problem even though they they look gorgeous and beautiful and all of that they are in the wrong place they're in the wrong place the writer of psalm 73 had to had to work through this dynamic psalm 73 verses 2 and 3 and 12 you you really need to read the whole psalm in order to get the full effect of this But but here's the writer of the psalm, Psalm 73, 2. He says, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. Now, you can go ahead and, and, and read the rest of that. I'm not going to today just for lack of time. But he describes how in every way it looks like they are just thriving, like, you know, everything that they do turns out well, and, and they lack for nothing, and their health is robust, and all of those things. And then all of a sudden, halfway through that psalm, the psalm writer says, but I'd almost, I'd almost given up until I went into the sanctuary of God. This is what he says, Psalm 73, verses 18 and 19. Surely, you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. And they are utterly consumed with terrors. And he goes on to describe how their end is. And it very much parallels what Psalm 1 is telling us, is that the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Do you know what chaff is? You know, I'm not a... I'm not from the farm, and we didn't grow wheat and all that, but I understand chaff is what, uh, it covers the kernel of wheat. Now, the kernel of wheat is what we want. They grind that into flour, and we have bread because of that. But uh, the chaff is what covers. It's the husk. It's it's the part that, that uh, during harvest, uh, it, it dries, and um, back in the uh, biblical days, they would toss the kernels of wheat in the air and the wind would blow the chaff away from the kernel of wheat. The wheat was heavier so it would descend and and, uh, land on the blanket or whatever they were, but they would continue to toss this and there would just be a continuous uh, trail of chaff coming off of the wheat. Now, there is nothing useful about chaff, all right? They don't want it. They don't want it part of the the flour-making process. When they grind wheat, they want the chaff gone. And uh, so they want the wind to carry that away. Uh, And nobody gathers it. It's not useful for anything. And all of Scripture, if you ever read about chaff, it is negative. It's always burned. It's always done away with. It's always worthless. There is no use for it. And that is what happens with the ungodly. They may flourish, they may look like they are thriving, uh, they may get all the attention, but they are in the wrong place. The wicked are not sower, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. So understand, the blessed life, those who live and follow after God, are planted by the rivers of water with intentionality, with purpose. The ungodly... Uh, live without purpose they live without lasting value the eventual end of the blessed and the ungodly part ways and you know until that happens we sometimes have to battle with ourselves envy of those who don't follow after God and it seems like they're getting ahead and, and they get all the advantages and they never seem to have the trouble that I seem to have and and, uh, you know, they don't have to make the hard choices I have to make. And we go on and on and on. But there comes a day where that all comes to an end. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 5 says this, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Okay? Okay? In other words, when it comes to Judgment Day. Have you ever heard of Judgment Day? All right, Revelation 22. You want to read about the great white throne judgment? That's what Psalm 1 is referring to is Revelation 22. Okay. And uh, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. It speaks to the appointment that we all have with God in eternity. And, and by implication um, speaks that the righteous will stand in the judgment while the wicked or the chaff will be swept away psalm 1 6 says this for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish he knows the way of the righteous why because his eyes are on us when we when we endeavor to follow after him when we meditate in his law day and night when we look to him for uh, the decision-making information that we need to live successfully in this life, his eyes upon us. We're one of his favorites. I don't know if you've ever been somebody's favorite. You know, I have few memories of being anybody's favorite. And so that whole idea that I would be God's favorite—it's like, wow, me? <laughs> I don't know if you feel that way, or maybe you've always been. You know, maybe you've been teacher's pet. Maybe you've been, you know, the favorite child, or, or whatever. But this is an opportunity for all of us, every single one of us. When we follow after God, when we look into His law and we meditate day and night, oh, His favor, His favor's on us. He plants us like a tree by the rivers of waters, brings forth fruit. We're fruitful. Our leaf doesn't wither in the blazing sun. And whatever we do, will prosper. That sounds like God's favor to me. And if you want that favor over your life, you know, it's just, it's not hard. God doesn't make us jump through hoops. Doesn't make it difficult for us. All we have to do is just love him. What does that look like? Maybe maybe be in his word, maybe some prayer, maybe just some time where you just think about him and talk to him. But whatever. That's what friends do, right? Tell him how much he's your favorite. He'll tell you how much you are his favorite. Would you bow your heads with me as we bring this to a close today? Heavenly Father, oh here it is 4th of July weekend, and Lord, we think so much about freedom as Americans and, Lord, the things that we celebrate, we are free to celebrate. But, Lord, we want to take a moment here on this July 3rd Sunday and just say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. we realize that we have been endowed with inalienable rights by our Creator. And, Lord, sometimes those are so familiar to us, that we sometimes forget how valuable they really are. And we just wanna say thank you. And Lord, we pray that we would handle these wonderful gifts that come from you, Lord, with wisdom and with integrity. And Lord, that comes by spending time in your word and spending time in prayer. And Lord, just making you our favorite. And Lord, that comes back to us time and again and I pray Lord for every person in this room Lord that that would be the kind of relationship that they would want that they would long for Lord that they would have that security of knowing that I am God's favorite his favor rests upon me and so Lord help us to incorporate in our lives Lord everything that we need to to be blessed Lord to avoid bad sources of information Lord, to cling to what is good, put it into practice in our lives. And Lord, the promises and blessings from you will follow. Lord, if we just invite you into our hearts, into our lives, to say, Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you come into my life? Begin to teach me how to live. Lord, we'll be experiencing your blessing in our lives. So we thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord, not to look at drama as excitement, but, Lord, to treasure the peace and the harmony, Lord, that comes with knowing you. And, uh, Lord, we want to give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.